Ladies and gentlemen, yes, I am joined by the finest. Yeah, I've got to call him the master because to me he is the master. I know he is the master to a lot of his fans as well. It is Joe Satriani. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, very good. Very happy to be here and talking to you. Oh, it's great to be finally catching up again. It's been a few years since last time we sat down uh, and we were talking about this, you know, behind the scenes. Uh, the last uh, album that you was dropping was uh, Shapeshifting in 2020. Uh, everybody knows what's happened from then till now. We've got through it and you are back with an absolute it's a belt the reviewers of what have already had the privilege of listening to it have said it's it is a masterpiece gotta agree the elephants of mars which is out april tell me about it where's this idea come from oh yeah i would well thank you and uh, i'm so excited that it's been so well received uh this album the elephants of mars i know it's a crazy title uh <laughs> but uh no one should be shocked that <laughs> such a title would come from my head, right? So, um, you know, um, the, the the putting together of albums is very interesting because there's a lot of it that is done right at the moment, like, you know, very close to when it gets released. There's stuff on there that uh, was worked on diligently over the months leading up to the release. And then there's always little bits that maybe come from 20 years ago or a year ago or something like that, that you never thought would somehow creep back in, you know, mm -hmm. to your creative consciousness and say, now's the time this fits this idea, this sound, uh, this crazy concept that you have. So it, you know, without making it like a long, boring story, uh, you mentioned uh, before the shape shifting. So, uh, when we when we first got hit with the lockdown, like everyone else, we were thinking, okay, you know, we'll wait a few months. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, we'll wait six more months. And then it's like, oh, man, we're going to be waiting around for a long time. And although I had plans to record a vocal album and an instrumental album as a freebie supplement to shape-shifting that we would give out once we hit the road, uh, by the time... It looked like we'd get out there again. I knew that people would be expecting a new album, uh -huh. period. You know, because they'd say, "Well, shape shifting was early 2020, so where's the new one, Joe?" You know. Uh -huh. So uh, I called the band. I said, "Okay, we're going to switch up and uh, change gears here. We're just going to do a new instrumental record, but this time I want to go crazy. I'm going to put in a lot of different stuff." I want everyone to take your time and give me your most spontaneous, crazy performances. And there's no clock on the wall. There's no date on the calendar. We're kind of free to, you know, sort of enjoy some of the crazier sides of our uh, musicianship. Uh, th this really helped. And then the whole idea of including this weird sound that turned into the title track really fit into the the whole approach and 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 that weird elephant sound <laughs> all the way back to going back to the crystal planet science fiction story that i had started writing with ned evett maybe eight years ago and you know as we were trying to get an animated tv deal you know mm -hmm. for this project we started recording music character voices things like that ned's really good with the scripts and the voices i just started doing music cues so i had this one thing that was the elephant thing and uh but it was a music cue so it was like a minute and a half two minutes 
So once I get started with uh, my producer, Eric Codia, he says to me, send me everything you got. I don't care how weird it is. I just want to hear your craziest ideas. So I'm sending him all these songs. I'm sending him the vocal version of Sahara. I'm sending him this weird little Elephants of Mars thing. And he loves it. And he figures out a way to use what I had recorded and then expand it so that we could make a lot of room for Brian and Kenny and Ray. Yeah. Uh, and then I, once I realized, Oh, this is going to be the title track. I call Ned back and I tell him this whole thing that's happened. He turns around and he creates the script based on my idea that in the future, Mars is terraformed and uh, unknown to the evil corporations of uh, of Earth who are dead set to exploit this new terraformed Mars, there are sentient gigantic elephants that have become uh, a sort of a product uh, of the terraforming. And of course, there's a guitar playing rock star who lives on the planet as well uh, with all the rest of the miners, so to speak. And they've joined forces to fight the evil corporations so they can keep Mars a beautiful, newly terraformed planet. I know it's crazy, right? But this is how my mind thinks. <laughs> and and so Ned wrote the script like in you know less than 24 hours. And, uh, you know, I called everybody, managers and band members, and I said, now we've got a title. And so you, it's, again, extra artistic license to go crazy and be more expressive. And and things like that really help all the way to the end when I, I sent the a rough mix to Todd Galapo, our art director. In I think an hour, he came back with the artwork, with the, the guitars forming uh -huh. the elephants. So it just turned into a really fantastic artistic teamwork. You know, this is the whole thing, just like everyone was contributing. And uh, we, we wound up with this really cool album. And I'm so happy. Do you, do you think do you think this has turned out how it has then because you wasn't on the clock, you know, and you wasn't working to the to the big people above pushing the time, you know? Do you think that's why you've come out with this such beautiful thing? You know, it's a, it's yeah, a beautiful yeah. piece of art. You know, do you think that's one of the main reasons then? Just not being on the clock? No, you're absolutely right. Uh, that was, I think, a thing that was bothering me the last couple of records because mm. I had, you know, I had to change so much. Uh, like with what happens next, we had to, we were working around Chad Smith and his, his ever-changing um uh, schedule because of the chili peppers and then all of a sudden i had to be in la hmm. really quick to record weeks ahead of when i you know was supposed to so i wasn't totally prepared hmm. uh and although it turned out great it, it's an extra sort of uh artistic pressure you know what i mean mm -hmm. and you have to make compromises because you realize i'm at sunset sound i've got chad for eight days i gotta get it done so we'll go with this today uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> you know and then uh the same thing happened uh with shape-shifting because we were touring with the experience hendrix tour and we only had a certain amount of time to get the band and the studio all lined up. So we, again, 10 days to get all the songs and their basics recorded. Only three weeks for overdubs, two weeks for mixing, and then we had to turn it in. So mm -hmm. yeah, you're there, you're playing, you're recording yourself live and you, you have to step back a few steps. You, you don't play as dangerously or as courageously because you realize whatever I play, it's on the album. I can't go back and work on this. And yeah, you know, 
and, and record different ideas for the next three months. And so it's a bit sad, but at the same time, you're like, no, I've, you know, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just gotta, you gotta step up to the plate. So that adds a charm to an album. However, you know, being able to work by yourself <laughs> when there's nobody in the room to play to, and you can play things on Monday and then come back on Thursday and try it again and come back on, you know, six hours later in the middle of the night, whenever, and just keep trying different ideas. That's really beautiful. That's, that's when you start to get the real performance. That's going to be a real personal performance that people are going to hear and go, Oh, that's him. You know, you know, that I can tell that's, that's not just, anybody you know that's Mm -hmm. that's a really that's pure expression um and so that i recognize that and i i told everybody in the band look don't rush to send these things back to me if you want to take a couple of weeks to figure out your approach go right ahead if you nail it in an hour go ahead send it back you know just let's just keep it spontaneous even though it seems the least spontaneous, yeah. the least spontaneous environment. In fact, it's hyper spontaneous because there is no clock. As you said, there, there was no calendar, no clock. Did that make you find something in yourself that you've not found before though, Joe, you know, any creativeness? Yes, absolutely. I don't think, I mean, I think about the stuff that was so light, mm. like, um, uh, Bluefoot groovy, that's really light and fun. And, and, you know, and if, the, if there's a band in the room or you're playing for, uh, engineers, producers, managers, whatever, you might think, Oh, that's too light. I gotta be heavier. You know? Or let's say a song like desolation where you, it's really sad and you, you're, you're shy to open up your heart in front of people. You'd only do that if you were all by yourself, you know, for weeks on end and you felt like, yeah, I, um, I'm protected. I can be vulnerable here and record something you'd like so devastatingly heartfelt that you'd never do that if there was someone else in the room. Mm. So uh, it did the, the environment and the lack of schedule did allow, I think, for better performance just for me. And, and you've changed label as well, I believe, I've, you know, and and did that give you a little bit more creativeness uh, freeway by going to a new label? Or was those guys, did they have something in mind what you they wanted you to step by? Well, I, you know, I've been the luckiest guitar player in the world because both both labels, all the labels that I've ever been associated with um, have always started off by saying, what do you want to do and how can we help? And that's always been now. And uh, so the the funny thing about this is that my contract with Sony goes back to 1989. Wow. I mean, how crazy is that, right? So it's typical for contracts to, to spell out like how many albums and then to have a clause that says, options like at the end of the contract period the label has the option to say can you give us another one right Mm -hmm. so my option period has been stretching on for like eight albums because we were having a good time yeah Uh, but finally we got to the end of the option period and everyone that i had worked with since 89 was gone the presidents had changed. The A&R department was kind of gone. Uh, everyone, the only person I knew there was uh, Mary Thayer, and, and she was our production manager. Brilliant woman. 
And but she was kind of new, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, new to the scene. I think she had joined just as we were doing that album, the mm-hmm. last album. So um, now also what's been going on the last 10 or 12 years was uh, meeting Max Vaccaro at Ear Music because he took care of Chickenfoot all around the world outside the U.S. Uh-huh. So I'd known Max and Ear Music and uh, Edel uh, for quite a while. Great company. Um, and, and Max, you know, he could have been my brother. I mean, we just like, we think exactly the same about music. And uh, we always thought we'd be doing an album with vocals, mm-hmm. you know, like a side project or something like that. And he was, of course, dying for a new Chickenfoot album that never came, unfortunately. Um, so th- it seemed like the time was right to go, okay, let's just move on. We're at the end of the contract and let's see if... Uh, Max and the guys at Ear Music are interested, and of course they were. So, um, but again, they they gave us, you know, sort of carte blanche to take our time, mm. and and we're thinking since nobody knew really what was going on with the pandemic, it seemed like silly to pick a date, you know. So they just <laughs> said, you know, mm. just do your best work, and then when you're done, let us know what you've done, you know. So That's that worked beautiful. out great. And, and and it's so rare, like you've just said, you, you've got somebody what's like a brother, what knows how you're thinking. That is so rare in, in the music world. You know, you, you've got the people like Jagger and Richards and stuff, you know, and Sambora and Bon Jovi. That's kind of the thing, what the people can relate to. But you're just out on your own universe with your playing, your, your mind and how everything works. And it seems like you have always got something in mind for years ahead. Am I right by saying that? <laughs> I guess it's funny, you know, uh, my good buddy Steve Vai, we both uh, talk about often how we have so many ideas about what we want to do, and we're 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 sort of determined to get through this imaginary production book of records that we're trying to do before they run us out of town. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I do. In in fact, I do have these ideas. Like I got to make sure I get I make time to do this kind of an album and that kind of an album. And uh, I guess what you never can anticipate is what feels right at the moment, you know. So mm-hmm. when that moment comes where someone says, how would you feel about doing another record? You, you, you know, you go through a sort of a, a check of your creative soul and you go, what do I really feel like doing that feels the most natural? Um, and that's always surprising, I think. And, and you got to go with that. You can't force it out. You know, do you do you do you worry about the, the the stuff you're putting out at all? You know, do you sit there and think, right, is this creativeness good enough for what I want it to be and for the fans to hear, or are you at a point where you are comfortable with what you release because you know you've got your hardcore fans and following, and you've got the catalog to back you up? Oh, I think uh, no, I, th- I think every artist is always completely neurotic about everything they do. <laughs> It is really a wonderful, uh, you know, sickness to, I mean, it's a crazy idea. You, you dream something up, you make a recording of it, or you paint it on a canvas, and then you feel this urge to share it with everybody in the world, and you have no patience to uh-huh. wait for a release date, you know? <laughs> That's just the way we are, and I, I, there's no explanation for it. So, But yeah, there's, there's that thing where you want people to hear it right away, and then... The contradictory feeling of 
is it good enough? Will they like it? And, you know, part of you says, uh, you know, you're proud of it and you go, well, I know it's good. So who cares? But of course you always care. Yeah. You, know, you want to, you're doing this, at least I'm doing it to lift people up. And, and so I want it to work. And if it doesn't, I want to know what I did wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how I could uh, fix that somehow. Um, yeah, it's not a perfect setup. Uh, but, um, I always, you know, think back to, uh, like when I was a kid and the first time I heard, uh, music and how much I loved it. And now I go back, I'm a grown up, and I, and I have a trained musical ear and I can listen to it and I go, wow, that's out of time. That's out of tune. It's all scrappy. And uh-huh. yet it's it genius. was so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like perfect. So that kind of makes me calm down. I go, relax. <laughs> you, you probably did a good job, the best job you could. People are either going to like it or they're not. And it, you, you know, uh, what was that famous phrase? Is um, Glenn Johns uh, said to me when I was recording a record with him, and and he said, and I think he noticed that I was obsessing about how something was going to turn out. And he said, you know, it's not your job to decide what people are going to like and not like. (laughs) (laughs) And he followed it by saying, it's your job to play your guitar. So go out there and play your guitar. (laughs) Beautiful. That was perfect advice. Well, you've definitely, again, you know, the chicken foot stuff was many years ago. And and, and that was my kind of first introduction to you as a, as a fan of your work, Joe. And just not just because of you, but everything, what was going on with that band and the, the, you know, the albums, what was released was was beautiful. You've had your solo albums, over 10 million albums sold, so many Grammy nominations, you know, would you ever feel like you want to grab your buddies and say, right, come on, let's have a jam. Let's play it and let's put it together and do it one more time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, if, if anything, uh, I've been the one who has pestered those guys <laughs> year after year. And then, you know, when I get sick of it, I tell them, okay, screw it. You know, like, yeah, just let, let's just say we're broken up and get it over with, you know? Yeah. So, um, but, but I can't help it. I'm good friends with them, you know, and, and, uh, we're, we're always communicating. Um, you know, Sammy texted me a few times this weekend, just cheering me on for my, my art gallery debuts. And I was just, he was kind enough to let me use the studio last week for a photo session. So, uh, we're all big, you know, one happy family. Um, but we're, we're also very creatively headstrong and we're busy with our own plans. You know, I know jazz right now, right in the middle of, uh, you know, chili pepper world and, uh, and uh, Mike and and Sam and the rest of the going to circle are busy, you know, plotting the rest of the year, um, uh, touring and and probably going to record another record. So everyone respects each other's uh, um, creative urges, you know. And mm. and we're just hoping maybe one day when it feels right and everything lines up, we'll do it again. It, one one thing about yourself and everybody else, what you know, what you're involved with, you know, like Sam is. You're like a fine wine and you get better with age. And Sammy's voice holds up so well still to this day. That guy can still sing. Unbelievable. He has a, yeah, his voice has got a beautiful uh, quality to it. You know, when we started working, it was just uh, Sam and myself just sitting across from each other playing songs. Mm. And I, I just record them uh, uh, on my phone or, or, or computer. Um, 
And uh, I was overwhelmed with the quality of his voice just in a natural setting. And I thought, wow, this is, I've never really heard it like that. I mean, we all know the stuff, the hits, the Van Halen hits and his early work with Macho and of course his solo career. But that's Sammy being hitting hard, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when you're in the same room with him and he's singing quietly and he's singing R&B songs and all the classic rock songs uh, that he loves, you, you go, wow, this guy's, his voice is like, you know, it's like a freight train. I mean, it just goes, it, you can't see where it begins and ends. Wow. It's really big and it's very expressive. And I, I kept saying, we got to write songs where people can hear this part, you know, where it's not just you screaming. Uh, so that, that, that got us started with chicken foot actually. And when we got to the studio, I got to see him work and he really likes to, to capture himself uh, being spontaneous mm-hmm. and a lot of those chicken foot songs were recorded live and he'd be singing live with us Beautiful. just right on the spot so yeah you're right his his, uh, his voice is like wow <laughs> it's a force of nature it is beautiful it is. And, and finally to touch on everything you know with the album if everything clears up with what's going on in the world uh, are you taking this out in the states europe if you can get over to europe i know things are hard in europe now but would you be willing are you wanting to get this out in the states as well and get out there with the band yes as soon as we can mm-hmm. uh, we are on the phone with our promoters uh and uh, venue operators uh all over the world uh just a few times a week trying to figure out what to do exactly. And, uh, you know, since we, you know, when I go out on tour, I'll do nine, 10 weeks straight and we'll do five, six shows a week. Mm. And it's like a crazy traveling rock and roll circus. We're on a bus every night and, uh, it's communal living. And that has been the stumbling block for these tours. Whereas we know that when we're on stage, we're safe and we know that people in the audience can be safeguarded, mm-hmm. but how do we safeguard the crew and the band if they're traveling on this submarine every night, you yeah. know, and that's what we can't figure it out. And then, uh, since we, we can't afford to have substitutes waiting yeah. to fill in for people who get sick, that means we have to stop. And so yeah. if there are restrictions about quarantine, it suddenly uh, turns the tour into an economic disaster. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and then we, we have no way of making up the shows if we're stuck in Bulgaria or, you know, Manchester or wherever we might be. It just we wind up really angering all those other people that mm. we suddenly have to cancel for. So we're still trying to work that out. But I'm, I'm feeling like by the fall, we'll probably uh, be out in North America touring Beautiful. like before. Beautiful. Uh, and by 23, I really think this will be a whole different world and it'll be more like what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. But that, but Hopefully better. Yeah, I hope so. But we've got a lot of things to look forward to. The album drops, ladies and gentlemen, The Elephant of Mars, April the 8th, 2022. Joe Satriani, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking to me about the new record. Thank you. 